KJAMS 105.3, it's in there pretty with me, your favorite radio reverend, Preach Easy in the Morning. And now it's my favorite time of the morning, time to go ahead and dive on into the Word. But before we dive on in, let's go ahead and clear a space for the Lord to move and groove through us. If this is your first time with me, then go ahead and stay right there on KJAMS 105.3 as we go ahead and create a space for the Lord. Go ahead and gather those issues, those problems, those situations, the predicaments that you've been dealing with and carrying with you for the past week, the past month. Who knows? Maybe for a while now. Go ahead and gather them up and let's just exhale them. Get them off of our heart and out of our space. Just all together now. Let's just And now that we created a space for the Lord to go ahead and move and groove through us, let's breathe in the promises, the good news, and the blessings, the miracles that God has coming up for us today, this week, the next month. Lord, if you're willing, we'll take it in the next couple minutes, the next couple seconds. Let's go ahead and just breathe in all of those good blessings, miracles, and promises in now. Let's just take the time to inhale in. And now that we created a space, allow me to reintroduce myself. They call me Preach Easy, not because I'm easy on the eyes, because I believe the gospel should be easy like your Sunday morning. That's me here on KJAMS 105.3. We're answering those real nitty-gritty tough conversations. You know, the questions that you ask yourself in the middle of the night, like, who am I? What is my purpose? Why did God make me? Well, I believe all the answers to those questions are actually really simple because they start with you. But the journey... The journey to get there, see, that's what's tough. And that's what I'm here for as your favorite radio reverend, the most poppin' podcast pope. Oh, yes. I'm not just here on KJAMS 105.3. I'm not just here on your Instagram Live or your Facebook Live or wherever you're listening to me. You can always find me on many more platforms. You just go ahead on Google and type in Preach Easy. That's P-R-E-A-C-H. Put a little space in between. E dot Z. And you're not going to want to miss it because today, like every day, we are diving into some nitty-gritty goodness. Today, we are talking about miracles. Now I know what you're sitting there thinking. All of us have been having some good times, some bad times, some tough times. I find it hilarious when people look at me and they say, yeah, we in some tough times right now. As if times have not always been tough. I don't like to say times are tough. Times be tough, as in the constant. They were tough, they will be tough, and they are tough currently. I feel like whether it was the pandemic or family issues, relationships, if it was a job or a promotion that didn't go through, friendships that didn't work, we have always been in the midst of some tough times. And I'd be remiss to say if it's not in the back of everybody's head that each and every last one of us simply wish that we had the opportunity for a miracle. We simply wish and wonder, it's not beyond any of us to ask, where is my miracle? But for the many of us that ask, where is my miracle? Many of us find ourselves unable to create it. See, a miracle is understood for many to be this divinely surprising, inspiring, yet logic-defying event. A miracle is meant to be this miraculous thing. You think of miracles, whether it was in the Bible and it was Deborah in the Old Testament, winning a whole battle despite never lifting a finger. Or maybe you think of the more radical and extreme miracles like Lazarus being brought right out of the grave after having died. Maybe you think of the woman with the issue of blood and her miracle and how she perceived and studied and crossed multiple deserts and towns just to receive her miracle. Reading through the Bible, you're sitting there wondering, where's my miracle? 
Because, Lord, I've been dealing with many of the same pains, many of the same trials and challenges that your characters and heroes in the Bible have. But yet, where is my miracle? Maybe it's not just a biblical example of miracles, but in the everyday, we see some people winning the lottery. We see some people having fabulous friendships and adventures and explorations and relationships and upgrades in their jobs and new promotions. And we sit around and we wonder, where is my miracle? See, miracles seem to be this utterly, divinely surprising event Oftentimes logic defying, but what if I told you miracles are only surprising for the spectator? Miracles only surprise the spectator because the spectator was not there when the miracle worker and the miracle receiver were in the back room making it happen, managing the miracles, toiling the soil, watering with blessings. See, miracles are only surprising for the spectators. That is because miracles must be managed. Now you're sitting there thinking, easy, that's not how miracles work. I've seen miracles happen miraculously, spontaneously. There was nothing to precedent. There was nothing that was leading up to it that you saw. Because if it was your miracle, you would remember the hard days that existed prior to the miracle where you were doing everything just to make it. See, to the spectators, miracles seem like surprises, but those that are faithful, miracles are simply foretold. Miracles must be managed. See, a mismanaged miracle is simply a mistake, and that's why God doesn't give them out willy-nilly. When I think of miracles, my first thought immediately goes to Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. If you don't know Matthew, then let me introduce you. See, Matthew is one of the first major books of the Bible where Mark in the New Testament was trying to quickly introduce Jesus. Matthew was there to tell you all about the character of Jesus, but not just about the character of Jesus, but about the character of those who want to call themselves Christians or followers of this Jesus figure. And so there are multiple sermons, but this parable I want to focus on. You may have heard this parable before because it's called the parable of the talents. But for my translation, it refers to it as a bag. And I think that's pretty directly, closely translated because many of us, our miracle is just simply obtaining a bag. Our miracle isn't so much bringing someone back to life, although that may be nice in some circumstances, maybe freaky in others. But for many of us, if it was just a little bit of money, a little bit of space, a little bit of recognition, then this bag makes sense. The parable begins. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted wealth to them. Verse 15, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to one, one bag each according to his ability. Then he went on his long journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went out at once and put the money to work and gave five bags more. So also the ones with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who received one bag decided, nah, this isn't good enough. This isn't a big enough bag for me. This isn't the type of miracle that I actually deserve or the type of miracle that I want. I want the big lottery. I don't want to have to work or manage this miracle. And so he got rid of it, wasted it. And this is why the master gave him the fewest. See, when the master returns, we see that the 
servant that received five miracles doubled that and made ten. The servant that received two miracles doubled that and made four. But the servant who was given one received nothing. And the master replied to the good one and said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And he goes and repeats that again until he meets the servant and sees the one who only was given one bag. The man said, Master, I heard that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered. Well, then you should have put my money in deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, and even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of God for the people of God. This is a story dedicated to help us understand that miracles take managing. For many of us, we go day in, day out, having issues, struggles, problems, and predicaments. And we wonder, we push and try. If we had one moment, one miracle of relief, it would be different. But see, miracles aren't this spontaneous thing, at least not for those that are directly involved. For spectators, it may be surprising, but for those involved, it's been foretold. We looked at the example of Deborah, Lazarus, and the woman with the issue of blood. See, with Deborah, her miracle was surviving and winning an entire battle that her army had no intention, no reason to win, but yet what she did was plan, prepare, and pray. Deborah was known to simply sit under her date tree, which means that she created a consistent space for God to move and for God to work. Sitting under this date tree allowed her to be seen by those that she led, to come up with questions, to come up with answers, to come up with a community that then could survive, that then had a reason to. See, the miracle was not surprising for Deborah. It was foretold. For Lazarus, though Jesus sat there and cried and mourned and eulogized his friend, the reason that the miracle was still managed was because Jesus was preparing the soil to better receive the miracle. If Jesus had come in and said, don't worry, don't cry, don't worry about Lazarus because I'm about to resurrect him, Jesus would then be denying the feelings of those around him, not allowing them to feel what was very natural for them, not allowing them to express it, even if he could solve it, which his plan was to, it was still more important for the miracle, for the soil to be toiled beforehand for the miracle to grow. Lazarus's people had to miss him to appreciate him, to see the greatness, to appreciate the beauty of the miracle. The woman with the issue of blood is nothing more than a premeditated miracle. She sat, she studied, she cried, she mourned, she tried something new, and eventually she heard about this man named Jesus who was going around healing folk, and she said, let me manage this miracle. Let me prepare my talents, let me take my time and my works, and let me move everything that I have to grow this miracle. Miracles must be managed 
in good soil. Miracles take time and preparation. Miracles take your talents and put them to faith. Take your faith and put them to works and put all that together and put it into a miracle. You have to create a consistent space for God to move. Miracles require space and time because miracles are big things. Maybe it may be a small miracle to you that gets you through the next day, but you had to create a lot of space in your life just to manage it, just to carry it. Talents take time, work, and faith. Miracles require management. To do this, we have to create a constant space for God to work. We have to be faithful, not just simply in our idea to pray, but in our works. In the story of Matthew chapter 10, verse 19 or 14, the servants were still working. See, if you don't know how much a talent or a bag was back in the day, see, a base bag back in that day was over $800,000 times five. See, any of these servants could have simply took a talent, ran off with it, and made it. The one who wasted it didn't even process and see how much value was in his hands. For many of us, that's why we don't manage our miracles. We think we don't have enough. We think that we don't, aren't worth enough. We think that we're not important enough or special enough. But let me tell you, you are more than enough. It just takes managing the miracles. It's something that you can do. It's something that you're called to do. It's something that's been yearning on you to do. You just didn't know what to name it. Managing your miracles is creating a constant space for God to work, to move through you, to call on you, to do exactly what you were called to do. Miracles must be managed, but you are just the manager for it. Miracles may be surprising to spectators, but for those involved, the miracle maker and the miracle receiver, it has been something foretold and promised through faith, through works, through talents. Talents take time. Miracles take work and faith and effort and a space and time for God to move. But God won't move until you have shown that you are going to manage the miracles accordingly. Mismanaged miracles are a mistake and God does not make mistakes. Where the question is, where is my miracle? It's wherever you planted it, wherever you managed it, wherever you were watering it, wherever you were focusing on it, whatever you were bringing to it, there is your miracle. So manage it well. This is your favorite radio reverend, Preach Easy. I'm praying for you until you hear from me again. If you enjoyed any part of today, make sure to like, share, follow, send it to a friend, save it, whatever it is. I appreciate you, and I'm praying for you until you hear from me again. Signing off.